Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. It's Light the Tower. Your daily look around the world of sports. With Hall of Fame broadcaster and voice of the Texas Longhorns, Craig Way, and Horns 24-7 insider, Jeff Howe. On your live, local, and independent home for sports talk in Austin, The Horn. Second hour of Light the Tower on the Horn. Craig Way with you. Jeff Howe out today. He'll be back tomorrow. And uh, I'll be on with him. I'll be doing um, my portion of the program remotely, as we say, from uh, what I like to refer to as the Williamson County Bureau uh, up there because uh, it'll give me the jump start in getting up to Waco to get ready to call a Texas and Baylor game, one of the three-game weekend series from the Baylor Ballpark tomorrow night uh clean up from hour number one before we get to our special guest uh the story that we were talking about um the bathrooms and things like that uh cam it sounds like you you know you've raised attention again yesterday when you said horn fm and it kind of sounded like you said pornfm.com somebody just said said sound like you just said the porn studio bathroom about the media right <laughs> does it sound like i'm saying horn or porn i thought i said horn i thought you did that time okay Yesterday, it sounded for sure okay. like you were said it the other deal. I, I mentioned Calais, Maine is where that media – somebody said Calais is the proper French pronunciation for Calais. Man, locals call it – pronounce it Callis. I understand that. Yeah, that the way some – I mean, and listen, you take an outsider and take them over on 290 and ask them to pronounce the name of the town there. I guarantee you 99 out of 100 are going to say Manor. They're not going to say Manor. Because that's just you know, that's the uh, local, that's the local uh, way of doing things. I know I did when I first moved here. Yeah, absolutely. It's it's it makes sense to look at it like that. Um, I mentioned about the New York City hiring the Rat Czar, and uh, and uh, Phil said, and she had an, uh, from Italian descent. CW had an Italian is a Rat Czar. How fitting is that? Uh, and then Joe says. I think I saw Ratzar at Emo's. They open up for Sargassum. <laughs> okay. Uh, there you go. All right. So there's uh, there's uh, the cleanup from hour number one. Okay. Speaking of New York, our next guest uh, doesn't live in New York. In fact, he used to live uh, right near where the Williamson County Bureau will be tomorrow. He used to be there. He's he now uh, headquarters out of the Beta, greater Houston area. But, of course, he is the assistant general manager of the Kansas City Royals uh, for Major League Scouting. That's uh, Gene Watson, who was in New York. Now he jet-set it across to San Diego late last night. But I cannot let you get away from New York without having you tell your story of what you woke up to in New York City. New York City is a city of uh, you shouldn't be surprised by about anything. But what you told me and what you posted on social media 
is rather almost disbelieving that you got through that. Good morning, Gino. How are you? Good morning, Mr. Way. How are you? Good. So tell us about that. You were up in New York and you were scouting up there. And, and did I see you also uh, MLB Network had you drop by? And so you went by there um, because everybody in baseball knows Gene Watson. And then what? You had one more night to spend there before heading out. Is that right? Yeah, and you know how it is once you get going on the road. The, the the hotels all kind of run together. The hotel rooms kind of all run together. You you think you're in one city, you're in the next when you wake <laughs> yeah, up. And I right. I woke up yesterday morning for a uh, for a day game, and at about four a.m. the the fire alarm went off. Which, as you know, fire alarms go off all the time in hotels. And and it, you know I didn't think much of it. Four a.m. fire alarm goes off, especially in New York. Week. Exactly. And I've been in four hotel fires. This will be number five. Uh, and so it goes off again, and you're thinking, well, you know, I'm on the 12th floor. If it, this thing goes down, there ain't much I can do. And fall back to sleep. And so I wake up. I go downstairs to get coffee, and there are fire trucks and ambulances everywhere. And literally the entire block, other than our hotel, was on fire. And it was uh, it was surreal. It was like waking up to a like what you would imagine a, a building getting hit by a bomb to look like. It was really uh, kind of surreal. The, the the pictures were pretty chilling to see, but what you're telling me is uh, is that you slept, you went back to sleep after the fire alarm woke you up. You went back to sleep. You, you just kind of tuned them out. Uh, you, as I told you late last night, I said, you must have, you must have really been tired. You know, you know so, yeah. uh, so you go back to sleep. Then you get up. And first of all, the elevators are working, I guess. You get down, and then the whole area looks gutted. Right, and you, you've you seen it where you have one, like, really nice structure, and then everything attached to it is kind of, like, really old and outdated. And that, oh, yeah. Thank God. And I can't believe you said that because that's the first thing I thought this morning is, like, how did the elevators even work? Because yeah. literally at the edge of the hotel – and what's funny is a buddy of mine with the with the Nationals had dropped me off after the game not to have to take the subway, and I literally went in the far right restaurant. If you look at the picture, that it's gone. I literally walked in there after the game to see if they they had you know the kitchen open, and it, it's kind of surreal. And it's really like a day game, airplane, fly New York, San Diego. So to them, this morning's like the really first morning to be able to reflect about really how lucky I was. Wow. Wow. Just amazing to think about. It is life on the road, I suppose, you know? Uh, that yeah, kind you of know thing. it better than anybody, brother. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, hey, I'm going to put you on the spot right out of the way. We just got a uh, text on the Specs text line at 337-3776 who says, I'm from Cal Allen, which we know is down in the Corpus area. My best friend's son plays in the Royals minor league system. His name is M. Is it M. Schoff? Uh, or uh, Imshoff? It's, oh man! Yeah, yeah. He's a catcher. Catcher out of Arkansas State. Yeah, we are really. What a great young man, too. I I got to spend a lot of time with him this spring. Uh, you know, when when they're throwing their sides on the back bullpens on the back quads, you know, the catchers are kind of just hanging out until they have to throw. And and me and him sat on a golf cart this spring and talked. And and he was a guy in the 2020 draft that that five round draft that really like. After the five rounds, it kind of became like a recruiting session, and we really won the tie. Matt Price, our area guy, did a tremendous job 
of winning the tie on this player and having a relationship with him. And he has a very bright future, really good-looking catcher out of Arkansas State. Wow. Okay. Wonderful, wonderful kid. Okay, do you have him uh, – is he like in uh, um, low A ball, uh, high A ball? Where, do, do you remember where he is right yeah, now? you know, I, I had broke before they set the minor league roster, so I would have to look. I had already left with the club to Arlington, so I would have to look. But but tremendous uh, talent. I mean, this if, you know, if there would have been a regular – 2030 round draft that year he would have gone very well in the draft but he's somebody we signed after the draft and we're really excited about by the way how has that that, that, now we're three years beyond the actual pandemic itself of 2020 and then of course we know there's been residual effect since then uh where it's affected college baseball as, as you're so well connected with minor league baseball as well there was the contraction of 42 teams i guess uh that sort of thing now that a lot of that smoke is cleared and now it's three years after What's been the the overall impression you've had of of what the pandemic did ultimately and the new agreement and with the big clubs taking over a lot of the minor league clubs and the way that it went, that how it has all shaken down now in how it affects players, the draft, and player development? Well, Craig, I've been pretty vocal about this. I really – I don't – I'm not in favor of ever cutting opportunities away from players. I, I, I think that even when it was a 100-round draft, if you wanted to be, you could go as long as you wanted. You know, look at Mike Piazza, 50-something round. I, I forget, 58th round or something like that crazy. Like, you know, whenever you're taking away those opportunities from players, you're really affecting the game at the grassroots roots level because – just look around the Austin area of the number of kids that, you know, they weren't high picks. They were later round guys that went off and played two, three, four, five years of minor league baseball. And they go back to their cities and they, they become coaches and they, they, be, they open up facilities. And so they're growing the game. They're giving back to the game that gave them so much. And so I think you lose a lot of that. Uh, the 20th round, I mean, John Smoltz was, was past the 20th round. Roy Oswalt, Passed the 20th round. Jared Walsh, first baseman for uh, the uh, Angels, passed the 20th round in the draft. And and you can say, well, we'll sign those players after the draft anyway, seven to ten, sometimes 12 players after the draft. But that that kid that 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 might you know be at a, a high academic school that's got a six-figure job waiting for them, they're not going to go kick it around in independent league baseball where they might you know go play a couple of years of minor league baseball and, and, and develop and turn into something like Mike Piazza did, like Roy Oswalt, like John Smoltz. And so you're really taking that player out of the process. But for the grinder player, the kid that really loves to play baseball, that's going to go the independent league route, it's made the independent leagues very valuable. We've actually hired a director of independent league scouting, and it's something that we're going to spend a lot of attention on moving forward. But But for me, anytime you're ever taking away – the game at the grassroots level and taking away opportunities from players, I, I don't see where that can be a good thing for the game. Gene Watson, uh, assistant GM of the Kansas City Royals, joining us here on Light to Tower. By the way, just to uh, fill in the blanks, Kale Emshoff uh, is yes. is a guy, and uh, out of Arkansas, Little Rock, UALR, yes. and uh, playing right now for the Quad City River Bandits. So he's in high A ball right now for you. Uh, yes, and a, and a highly intelligent leader behind the plate very strong player too he, he's a he's built he's built like a linebacker he's a good looking kid <laughs> all right let's um 
Let's jump to the bigs. Uh, I've been I've been wanting to talk to you about this. Now, last week we did talk about pace of play and how this accelerated pace of play have become the talk of everything, and we're seeing games played in two forty and two two thirty eight and uh, things like that. We're seeing a, a, a and it's become very popular to see that happen. Now, a, as I've heard you say before, and others as well, there's always going to be. Um, I, I, I guess you might say side effects of some of this. And one of the side effects, obviously, is this um, action clock or pitch clock, as, as folks know it. And I've already seen it uh, involved in uh, the collegiate game where, uh, you know, David Pierce was ejected from a game on Sunday against Kansas State, not for arguing balls and strikes. He was upset with a home plate umpire who was trying to hurry his player into the batter's box when he still had a player being checked out by a trainer who was on the field at first base. So you you still had that you had that. But as David told me, he said, you know, it's difficult uh, because the the player is supposed to be in a ready to swing position in not just foot in the box, but in the box ready to swing the bat at ten seconds on that action clock, whereas the pitcher has until you know as you know down to around two to release it and. Uh, he said that he had talked to one of the national umpiring supervisors and said, boy, if we could get two more seconds off of that ready-to-swing thing down to eight, that would help. As we know, the bigs have been going with seven. Then you have the, the celebrated thing with what happened with Manny Machado. Uh, I've seen some other things. I, I saw it in the uh, Dodger-Giant game last night. Uh uh, with uh, Taylor Rogers was assessed uh, mm-hmm. a, ball, a ball four, and it loaded up the bases for the Dodgers, and they wound up having a big inning out of it as well. How about your thoughts on how clubs are trying and individuals are trying to adjust to being on the clock? Well, it's it's a mental rhythm, and I just watched it in New York with Juan Soto, who I brought back to San Diego, the Padres, three games in, in New York against the Mets. Juan Soto's really struggling with it because – once he sets foot, you know, Juan's always been pretty methodical about the way he approaches his at-bats. But once he sets that back left foot in the box, he's trying to create some type of rhythm of, of, of like mentally looking down and then being set at the nine-second mark and being ready to go in the box and just creating uh, just a rhythm to it. And, and for guys that are very pitch-to-pitch, methodically pitch-to-pitch on thinking about what this guy might do to him, you know, thinking about a scouting report in their head as to, you know, pitch sequencing by counts for those guys that are pretty methodical with their processes, both on the mound and at the plate, it's been a very difficult thing to manage. And a, a lot of the guys are just, I saw Max Scherzer literally like break three rules on the mound, but because he looked so confused when he did it, nobody did anything <laughs> and in any other game. It would have been, it would have been a ball. And uh, it's, it's kind of created a little bit of chaos uh, for the for the guys that have always worked slow, I do think it's been very very good for a lot of guys that work slow for no reason, and it's kind of gotten them out of their own way at the plate and on the mound as far as like taking the ball, getting on the mound, seeing the pitch, and going. And and so there have been there have been a lot of players that have really performed a lot better because of the pitch clock. It's, a, it's made them get out of their own way a little bit. So, but but you're going to continue to see this for the coming weeks of of guys just trying to find that personal rhythm uh, to the way they go about things on the mound and at the plate. Yeah. I, I started to say, uh, somebody had asked on the Specs text line, if you could make an adjustment or a change 
to this action clock, this pitch clock, whatever. By the way, I, I'm not real fond of the term action clock. It reminds me of the old uh, defunct World Football League in the 70s. You right. didn't you didn't right. kick the extra point. You ran or passed for the action point, that kind of thing. Right. So, I, I mean, they should just call it the pitch clock because the pitch – the pitch is involved. It's not the pitcher's clock. It's the pitch clock, so that affects both the pitcher and the hitter. But I digress. If if uh, uh, Somebody asked, if you could make an adjustment or a change to how it is set up right now, A, do you think there needs to be an adjustment? And B, if so, what would you do? I don't think there needs to be one. And, and I was probably one of the more critical uh, – people of, of a clock, you know, the game, this is the one game where there's no, and now there is, I, I think it's been wonderful. Is it the time that it's cut off? It, it's not just the pitch clock for me. It's, it's the pitch clock and the fact that the ships are gone has just created a much better product. I've been in the ballparks now for two weeks. Uh, it, it has created a lot of chaos from a bullpen management standpoint and, and guys being ready in the bullpen because, uh, there was an inning, a half inning in Milwaukee last week that was a 53-second inning. 53 Wow. Seconds. And if you've got a guy coming in uh, uh, from the bullpen, there, there's no time uh, for that guy to get ready. I, I've talked to a number of pitching coaches around the league where teams with veteran staffs are going to use their five visits. If you look around the league, teams with experienced pitching, they're using their five visits. You're seeing situations where infielders are coming in just to slow the pace down. But what you're also going to see in the coming months is, well, first of all, we have 111 pitchers on the, on the IL right now, which is remarkable for the month of April. But yeah. you're about to see in the coming months, you know, the training for pitchers is, has never been aerobic. And now it's going to have to be more aerobic. Every, you know, you're, you're reloading, reloading, reloading. And as that continues to go over 5, 10, 15, 20 starts, Watch the velocities begin to drop from starting pitchers, and we've already seen it in Chicago with Lance Lynn. But the other thing is watch the velocity drop with relievers as they start to use you know, two out of three days and four out of six and five out of eight. You're going to start to see some velocities drop because it's such that, – that pitch clock is going to change the, the training of pitchers, uh, and it certainly, once it heats up, going to, tra- uh, going to affect the, uh, the durability of the pitchers. I don't know if one thing is related to the other. Uh, but we've seen some weird things happen, uh, both in uh, Major League Baseball and college baseball. Think about the other day, uh, Ryland Galvan catching for Texas against uh, Texas State, and he was trying to throw down the second to uh, get a runner, and he hit the pitcher in the back. Uh, that I, 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 Keith Keith Moreland said, you know, when I was catching, I did that. It's pretty embarrassing, but but it happens. He says, but it's rare. Uh, then I, I saw what happened in that weird deal with the uh, Guardians uh, game against uh, the the Yankees uh, in uh, Cleveland with uh, with Battenfield set to start his first major league game, and then he ran into trouble in the fifth inning uh, uh, the, uh, on a uh, hit to Miles Straw in center. Straw's throwing to the cutoff man, Andres Jimenez. He turns to throw the ball home. And he hits the second base umpire, Larry Vanover, in the side of the head. I know you know Larry. Uh, uh, I hope he's all right. But, I mean, we've seen some weird stuff this season, Gino. Yeah, the pace is just so much quicker. The, the, the anxiety and the anxiousness of, of the game is just, it's just high right now because there's so many changes. And you can look at the umpiring crews across the league, and they're, like, really on, trying to stay on top of everything and make sure – because there's so much to stay on top of right now. But even with the players, 
you know, with the shifts being gone, guys are having to be in, in positions that they haven't normally been in, and, and umpires as well, which is probably the reason uh, for the for the collision. But but the other thing is like the the, the larger bases and uh, the number of, of of stolen base attempts that that have been successful so far. I mean, I think we're seeing uh, just a combination of things that have made the product more exciting, and and it, they've done a tremendous job of encompassing all of these things together. Uh, what's going to be interesting as we get to the 40 and 50 game mark is how teams begin to adjust to it. It's just a, it's a high anxiety, high anxious, high action league right now. And I think you're going to see situations where pitchers start to just, just throw over twice to create the action of the stolen base. And then you're going to see more time pick plays. You're going to see catchers. Uh, you're going to see more pitch outs. Uh, we've already seen more bunts than you've ever seen. It, it, I mean, I, I couldn't count the number of bunts that took place in the last series in New York between the Mets and Padres. And so I just think this thing is swinging back to a little bit of older style, older school baseball uh, while moving forward with the way we're doing things. And it's it's so far, I think it's been a tremendous product. And, and I think the fans are really encouraged by it. Okay. All right. Uh, uh, I have a feeling and, and you will, uh, know certainly more about this uh, than than me, but I have a feeling that uh, this next question that came in uh, was uh, definitely directed to be tongue in cheek. But uh, in the aftermath of yesterday's uh, 10-1 Royals win over the Rangers, somebody wanting to know if uh, the club is going to move uh, Nate Eaton to pitcher after he had that good inning in Arlington. <laughs> What a tremendous athlete. And when I had left, I mean, Nate was a 24-year-old player in A-ball. I mean, 80% of the players at the major league level are producing at their highest value by the age of 25. And Nate was a 24-year-old guy in A-ball with high strikeouts, but he went to the fall league, and I was with the Angels, and and I, I called my former boss, Dave Moore, who's now with the Rangers, and I said, hey, I dare you guys to leave this guy on the Rule 5 list. Because just such a gifted athlete, tremendous athlete, move around the diamond, play everywhere. He can run, he can throw, and now we find out he can throw 95 off the mound. And when you're going 13 and 13, which is what the uh, restrictions are uh, with the roster restrictions, and you have that in, in a in a mop up game in the in your bag, a guy that throws 95 and is an athlete like him, you know he can be a weapon for us. So wonderful kid that's kind of been a late bloom guy that is a, a tremendous athlete yeah that's good to know okay uh one more thing before we let you go this is something i haven't even told you about and so i'm just dropping it in on the blue but for folks who don't know gene watson has probably seen at least one minor league game would it be safe to say that you have seen at least one minor league game in all 120 uh, major league affiliated uh, ballparks, as well as uh, as well as all the independent leagues. Have you seen at least one game at all of the parks? Not not all the independent leagues. I would tell you in the minor leagues, probably ninety five percent. Okay, against that backdrop, what I'm going to do is every week we're going to do this here. I'm going to give you. Uh, some names, and and I want you to tell me if you've seen this team in its current incarnation uh, with the current name they have, if you've seen them play a game, okay? Uh, I'll start uh, with the ones that you're you're really closely dialed in on, the International League, Triple League, uh, AAA. Uh, have you seen a game involving the Jacksonville Jumbo Shrimp? 
100%. I, I lived in St. Augustine, Florida for a year when I was in the third grade, and my dad used to take me up to see the Jacksonville Stars at the time. Right. And uh, they, would play an ex- they would play an exhibition game against the Atlanta Brave Major League Club every year, and so that would be a definite yes. All right, but here's the trick. I, what I'm asking, have you seen a game where a team called the Jacksonville Jumbo Shrimp played? Have you seen them in their current incarnation as the Jacksonville Jumbo Shrimp, which are now AAA for, as like you point out, for years they were the Braves AA, but and then they were the Dodgers AA for a while. But are they? Have you seen them in their current incarnation as the Jacksonville Jumbo Shrimp? I have not, mostly because I have a firm no Florida rule in my travel. My travel. <laughs> all right, all right. Pacific Coast League. I think you've seen all of these teams. Uh, have you seen a game with the Tacoma Rainiers in Tacoma? Many, many times. Okay. All right. Many times. Eastern League. Have you seen a game with the Richmond Flying Squirrels? A thousand times. Okay. Are they they're still <laughs> yeah. the Giants double A? Yeah. Okay. All right. Yep. All right. Southern League. Have you seen the Rocket City Trash Pandas? I have not, not as the Trash Pandas, and they were our AA affiliate in 22 or 21 when I was with the Angels, and I did not get in there. But yeah, yeah, I have not. They were the Huntsville Stars, I guess, for a long, long time. Mm-hmm. Up there. I, I did see them as the Huntsville Stars back in the early 90s when Conseco and the boys were there. Okay. In the Texas League, have you seen the Amarillo Sod Poodles? I have, yes. Okay. Uh, in the Northwest League, have you seen the Hillsboro Hops? Not Hillsboro, Texas. That would be Hillsboro, Oregon. Beautiful ballpark. I saw my son pitch there. Yes, wonderful place. Great fans. Beautiful ballpark on the outskirts of Portland, Oregon. Okay. In the South Atlantic League, have you seen the Bowling Green Hot Rods? Last year, I had to fly from Memphis to Houston at 6 a.m. to take a plane from Houston to Nashville because there were no cars because the Elvis movie was being released in Memphis and the CMA Awards were going on in Nashville. And I had to Uber the whole trip to go up and watch a guy strike out four times and um, make two or three errors in left field in Bowling Green. The answer is yes. (laughs) Okay. California League, have you seen the Modesto Nuts play as the Modesto Nuts? I have many times. And the backstory, that's where they filmed some of the movie Moneyball. Okay. Carolina League. Have you seen the Down East Wood Ducks play? I have I have seen the Down East Wood Ducks play. Yep. And I'm and I'm sure you I I start to say I'm sure you've been to uh to Kinston many times in the past when they were the Kinston Indians there. Uh yep. down there as many well. Many times. Okay. Yep. And and finally the Florida State League. Uh have you seen and i know you've got a florida rule but uh, you know but but you might have you might have might have had to do it by have you seen the fort myers mighty muscles yes i have and they and most of my dislike for the state of florida is that i covered the florida state league for 12 years and <laughs> uh yes lee county sports complex i've seen many games there i've seen that team play and that's the uh, low A affiliate of the Minnesota Twins. Yeah, there you go. All right, so we're going to do this every week. I'm going to toss a few at you and just say, hey, have you seen this team as they are currently named playing a game? Because uh, it just gives folks uh, an idea of how how if well you traveled you. Restaurant in any one of those cities, I can give you that too. I, I dare say, I will bet you can. <laughs> hey, uh, Gino, I appreciate the time. Have a have a nice weekend in San Diego. You know, hit hit Richard Walker's Pancake House or something. You know. 
Absolutely. All right, Craig, thanks so much. All right, Tino. That's uh, Gene Watson, the uh, Assistant General Manager of the Kansas City Royals. Coming up, uh, we do uh, have our uh, Longhorn Notebook. We'll get to that before we get done here. Light the Tower on the Horn, 1049, 1019, AM 1260. We're live, local, and digital on the Horn app and at hornfm.com. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Light the Tower. Light the Tower on the Horn. Thanks again to uh, Gene Watson, Assistant General Manager of the Kansas City Royals, for joining us. Uh, somebody asked, hey, follow-up question, what you were talking about with Gene. Have you ever been in a hotel in a fire situation? Yes, I have. Awakened in the middle of the night in, of all places, Norman, Oklahoma. Uh, that happened. And there was another place, too, uh, where I was and had to... Uh, get out. I also, um, in in my very, very, this is how very early my days were in working in professional radio. I was 23, 24. I was still in college, I think. And uh, I was working at KRLD, not in sports at the time. I was a, a part-time news tape editor. And that what, that what I would do is I would write the leads for the anchors around uh, the, the recorded pieces that would come in the old eight-track type carts that we would run back in the day. And uh, I would write the leads for the anchors. Well, on one specific morning, all the reporters were out at other events, and there, there had been a fire at the mansion on Turtle Creek, the really nice, opulent, you know, bougie five-star hotel. And uh, they needed somebody just to go over and get a couple of sound bites from uh, the, you know, a uh, police and fire spokesman or something. So they said, Hey, can you grab your tape recorder and go out there? And I, I had covered very, very little things. And I said, sure. So I hop in the car and I race down there and I, I get there and I'm looking for a spokesman, a police or fire spokesman. And the fire had just been put out, but you could see where it was all smoldered up on the upper floors. And I, I couldn't find anybody. Uh, it was interesting. You had people, now, there, this is this is how uh, upscale this hotel was. You had people in their bathrobes and pajamas sitting out on the front lawn having croissants and coffee while their rooms were being, you know, uh, cleared of, of fire danger. But they were serving them breakfast on the lawn. So I went looking, and I'm look. I'm just just trying to find somebody, a fire chief, a spokesman, somebody. So I I end up walking in the hotel. I just walk past security people. They didn't say anything. I take an elevator. Up to like the eighth floor, I get off, and you can just smell it. It's still smoldering and all that sort of stuff. I get up there, 
And then one of the guys in one of the uniforms go, what are you doing up here? And I said, I'm looking for the spokesman. He said, come with me. So I go down there. I mean, he just kind of wandered into it. And the fire chief came over and he goes, you're not supposed to be up there. I, said, I don't know. I just, I, mean, he's, I, I just need to. He goes, what do you need? I said, I need the status thing for the station. Go ahead. Boom. And I did, a, did an interview with him and took it back. So How some, about that, Craig? Sometimes you just stumble into things. Putting you know? your life in danger. Nah, it was already out. It, it smelled, you could tell. And I did stay with the Longhorn baseball team in Manhattan, Kansas, what was then a Ramada Inn. Later it became a Holiday Inn. I think it's a Holiday Inn now. And they had just recently renovated it because of a fire. This was the hotel where I stayed with the uh, men's basketball team where there were maggots in the oatmeal. And Rick Barnes called uh. the banquet manager over and said and showed it to him and said, what would you do if you were me? The banquet manager's like, oh, man, I'm so sorry. He goes, no, 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 never mind it. I'm just curious. What would you do if you were me? <laughs> he goes, that's really bad. I'd probably be really hot. And Rick was like, okay, just making sure. Um, so, yeah, and they just had a fire in there. And it was, yeah, it was nasty off all that. Uh, let's hit our Longhorn Notebook here real quick. Longhorn Notebook. Longhorn Notebook here. Uh, again, a reminder about the, the spring game. Uh, that includes Bevo Boulevard, Longhorn City Limits, football all grass from 9 to 9.30. you got men's and women's tennis uh, going on. Softball, and Texas softball comes off last night's 4 nothing shutout of Texas State down in San Marcos. Mac Morgan has pitched back-to-back complete game shutouts now for Texas. They're 34-8-1. They go back in the Big 12 conference play tomorrow night with Kansas in town uh, for Friday, Saturday, and Sunday games. Soccer going on with a spring exhibition match against Houston. You got all of that uh, going on uh, with that. Obviously, uh, folks are asking the questions we talked about at the top of the program uh, with uh, A.J. Johnson uh, uh, decommitting from Texas. He had signed with Texas, but he is signing with the uh, who was it? it was in the NBL in the uh, Australian League. And uh, somebody said, how do we get outbid by an Australian team? Sometimes it goes long beyond just the bidding thing or money if you're talking about for NIL versus a professional contract, which is probably going to offer more. Uh, Sometimes uh, the young man isn't really interested in furthering the education of the collegiate level. He wants to get on with his life and play professionally. There's lots of different factors that roll in into that. Isla Wara Hawks. It's the – Illawarra, Illawarra uh, uh, yeah, Hawks. the Illawarra Hawk, hmm. Hawks there in the NBL in Australia. It's a good professional league there. Lifetime Longhorn Joey Wright, I think, is still the coach of the Adelaide 36ers there uh, in uh, the NBL. All right, we'll be back to wrap up today's edition of Light the Tower on the Horn. Okay, a couple of things here real quick. Uh, first of all, Cam told, us, uh, told me during the break, uh, Dan Snyder has agreed to sell – the Washington Commanders has a buyer. It's that group out of Philadelphia led by the Sixers owner, Magic Johnson, involved in that as well. So details on that coming up from Chad and Zay. Uh, also, uh, UIL Girls State Soccer Tournament, Grapevine Rally back to beat Smithson Valley 2-1. Georgetown about to kick off in three minutes from now against Frisco at Berkelbach. Then finally, a texter said, I had a minor league baseball hat as a teenager. I don't remember the city, but it was a Mudcat. Yeah, that's the Carolina Mudcats of the Carolina League. They play at Five County Stadium just east of Raleigh. I have a Mudcat hat of my own. All right, Jeff will be back with us tomorrow. I'll be on as well from the Williamson County Bureau. For our producer, Cam Parker, I'm Craig Way. Thanks for joining us. We'll visit with you tomorrow on Light the Tower.